0: Well, why don't you go with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at one verse today, and we're continuing our series on spiritual fruit and what God produces in our hearts to grow us to be more like Christ. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love joy. And last week, Matt did such an awesome job of uh, helping us to see the peace that should be flowing out of our lives because of Christ. So we've got love, joy, peace. And today we come to patience. Anybody want to just like skip over patience and just move on to kindness? Are you okay with that? Like, I don't want to have to deal with that, right? Like, I, like this, is, this is one of those things. Patience is one of those things where like a lot of us struggle with it, but, but impatience is kind of one of those more respectable sins. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the the kind of things that just feel normal, like like everybody's dealing with it. We constantly have to deal with, you know, getting impatient when uh, drivers cut us off in traffic, or when our kid asks us why for 50 times a day, or or, or when you got that coworker that turns in their assignment late again or, or you've got that that person in small group that, that seems to have the same prayer request every single week and, and they never really seem to be making any progress and so sometimes we just just kind of like lose it a little bit you know we just get frustrated we get we get angry like I can't take it anymore. more and, and honestly it, it, it feels justified and if we were to talk to some other people they would probably admit like yeah i get it like, we, we tell them the scenario if they were in our shoes they'd be like I, I, I think it's justified, too. Like, I, I agree with you. And so, impatience is kind of one of these sins that most of us don't, you know, a mind confessing that we deal with this. We're like, when everybody's going around the circle and, and we're being vulnerable, hardly anybody's afraid to step up and say, yeah, I've just been, you know, feeling really impatient lately. And I think it's because it might not seem to us like it's that big of a deal. But sin's always a big deal, isn't it? In fact, if we want to be more like Christ, then then how dangerous and how, how damaging is it when we're not like Him, when we sin by being impatient? Think about it this way. What if God treated us with the same lack of patience that we often show to other people. Like, none of us want that. Like, I'm so glad that God is patient with me. So why is it then that I would continue to be impatient with somebody else when that's not how God has treated me? I want to show this to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, There's this one verse. We're going to look at verse 14. Verse 14. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14. I think this is going to be instructive for us in um, the Word of God and the way that we treat other people people i want you to see this here's here's what he says we're getting after it we're trying to help the body grow that's why we've even been doing this spiritual growth series is we want to help people really grow in their relationship with christ to be more like him and we get to play a part in that and here it is first thessalonians chapter five verse 14 he says and we urge you brothers admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted help the weak watch this be patient with them all. You gotta be patient with them all. Patience is so important for our mission. Think about the mission of our church. Our mission is to glorify God. By making disciples of all nations as we live in loving community at the heart of this, like we just want God to be glorified. And the way we get after that is by making disciples. Everything, I, feel, I hope there's such like a laser focus on this mission, this purpose in our church that we just want to make disciples. And we've got this instruction that helps us here. So, so let me give you the big idea from this text that we're uh, drawn out of this. Is this. Note this be patient as you're making disciples. Just as the Lord has been patient with you. Be patient as you're making disciples, just as the Lord has been patient with you. He says, I urge you, we urge you, brothers. That's not talking to the elders or the leaders or the pastors. He's actually talking to the members, all of the brothers or sisters that are in this church family. And the proof of that is, is actually, if you look at verse 12 uh, above it, just look at verse 12. He says, we ask you, brothers, same word, same people. This, this is the people that he's addressing here. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. So we can't be talking to just the leaders because he's talking to these members who are to... Respect their leaders, those who are over you in the Lord, and then you are to admonish, encourage, help, and be patient with each other. So so there's responsibility to these relationships in the body of Christ that we're to help the church grow. And we see that if you look back in verse 11. Verse 11, he says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. So here's what I take from this. It's not just the job of the elders and the pastors to make disciples. It's the job of every member in the church. If you're a member of Fairfax Bible Church, there's an expectation that you are actively making disciples. That's part of what it means to live, sent to recognize that God has purposefully sent you here for right now to make disciples. And that includes, one, helping those who don't know Jesus understand, sharing the good news of Jesus with those who have never trusted in him for salvation. And then it also means helping those who do believe in Jesus grow as followers of Christ, that they would become more and more like him. And you get to play a part in that. And I hope that's actually encouraging for you. That means you have a great calling and a great purpose for your life that should put everything into perspective. All of your decisions, all of your priorities, it's, it, this, is, this is it. Like this, As a disciple, you know why you're here. Think about it. Like Jesus, when he saved you, he could have just taken you home to be with him in glory and gotten you out of all this mess. But he left you here. And he left you here for a reason. And you have this awesome opportunity to use the time. And you don't get much of it. But to use this time that he's given you to carry out this mission. And the mission is making disciples for his glory. So, making disciples means dealing with people. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Because I don't think I have to tell you that helping people is messy and difficult and time-consuming. So it's going to take a lot of patience, right? He says sometimes you're going to have to admonish. Sometimes you're going to have to encourage. Sometimes you're going to have to help. But but look at the text again. Look at verse 14. What does he say? What, What are we supposed to do with all of them? He says, be patient with them all. The idea of patience is being slow to anger. That that, that you're not just like getting ticked off when things get hard or when it gets draining or like just kind of like losing it. And patience is the fruit of the spirit that is reflected and rooted in the character of God. I don't know if you remember this when we were studying the book of Exodus. Exodus Chapter 34, when God came down on Mount Sinai and he revealed his glory to Moses, he actually told Moses his name, which revealed his character, says the Lord, the Lord. And one of the things that God said about himself is this, slow to anger. Not quick to just get angry and get ticked up. No, no, slow to anger. And that's actually echoed again in Psalm 103 as the psalmist is thinking about who God is and his character, he says the Lord is slow to anger and that that the patience of God there in, in both of those texts, in, in Exodus 34 and Psalm 103 it's coupled with his mercy and his grace he is merciful, he is gracious, he is slow to anger what he's telling us is this God is patient that's who he is And we've experienced that personally, haven't we? In fact, look back in the text if you're there. Chapter 5, verse 9. Look at verse 9. It says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation. That's crazy. Because we deserve God's wrath. We're sinners. We deserve it. And yet, we don't get his wrath. We receive salvation instead which is why Paul when he when he thought about this and and he, and and he, and he, and he, and he uh, reflected on the gospel he says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 16 i received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost of sinners jesus christ might display his perfect patience As an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. The man, the more I see how messed up I am and the persistence of my stubborn, sinful heart, the more I appreciate God's patience towards me. He doesn't treat me as my sins deserve. He doesn't just get fed up and and, and tired of dealing with me. He doesn't get annoyed by my constant struggles or by my doubts or about how slow I am to follow him. He doesn't treat me the way I deserve. But because of Jesus, I won't experience the boiling wrath of God against sin that I do deserve. And it also means that I'm not in danger of him suddenly losing it and flying off the handle or being harsh with me or or hurting me or or turning his back on me. That's That's just not who he is. God is patient. And those who are walking by the Spirit, We'll begin to see that same character coming out in the fruit of their responses to other people that will treat other people the same way that God has treated us. And so here in chapter 5, verse 14, Paul is giving us three different scenarios that you might face while you're discipling other people. And all of them require patience. Because it's almost never as simple as just like one conversation or, or one prayer or giving somebody a book and suddenly everything's fixed. No, sometimes it's a, it's a struggle and sometimes it takes time. And so let me give you these three discipling scenarios where we get to demonstrate patience. And then I want to show you the example of Jesus Christ so that we grow more in our love for him. And our gratitude for the way that he responds, the way that he treats us. But Here's the first discipling scenario he says there in the text. Patiently admonish the idol. You see it there in verse 14? Admonish the idol. That, that word idol, it means somebody who's disorderly. Someone who is not submitting to Discipline. So contextually, apparently, it seems like there were some people in Thessalonica, in the church there, who were just being lazy, being irresponsible. They were not doing what they knew they should be doing. And consequently, they're hurting other people in the process. They're hurting the body of Christ. They had been taught, they had received instruction, but they're just not obeying it. So what are we supposed to do? What does the text say? What are we supposed to do when you need to disciple someone in your church family who's idle, who's not doing what they know they should be doing? What are you supposed to do? You admonish them. I realize that may not be a word that we regularly throw around in our vocabulary unless you're kind of like, I need to step aside and admonish my children. Like, that's just not something that we say very often. But that word means to to, to counsel or to instruct or even to warn somebody about their behavior. So when you see a brother or a sister who's going in the wrong direction, they're going against what God's word says to them, it's not time to just let it slide and ignore it. And they also don't need you to just come alongside with some Cheerful encouragement. No, no, no. There's warning here. Think about when you're driving on the road. You're driving out on the streets. You see all sorts of warning signs. You see signs like stop or, or sharp curve ahead or wrong way. And the reason is without the warning, you're in danger. Nobody wants to see you get hurt like that. It's the same here when we allow our brothers or sisters to knowingly live in sin and we just let it slide. Man, they're in great danger of hurting themselves and hurting the body of Christ and causing harm to the church as well. And so when we see them going the wrong way, we're to to patiently warn them and instruct them and admonish them. Because sin is not okay. It's never okay. Now, let me be clear. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. You get that? Like, I want to make sure that, that in, our, in our church, we want to have that culture where there is a welcome without judgment. I mean, come on, we're all sinners here. None of us are perfect. This is the place where sinners and hypocrites, we want you included but we want to be like Christ. And because we love about we we love each other, we care about each other and we don't want to see one another going down a destructive path. We're willing to step in when necessary to patiently admonish. But I have to make sure that we're doing that in love. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love. Like, yes, there's a command to speak the truth, but that command to speak the truth is not a license to speak it however we want in whatever ways. In in ways that would just be unkind or unloving and kind of harsh and we just let them have it. Honestly, some of us are are, are fearless in our willingness to step in and, and, and admonish somebody when we need sin. Call it out. And God may use that. But we need to check our hearts. And, and check our attitudes. Even check our, our tone and the words that we're using. Because we're to speak the truth in love. And 1 Corinthians 13 says that love is patient. So speaking the truth in love means demonstrating patience with that person as I'm warning them, as I'm instructing them. And then I I, I care more about them than I care about being right or being more mature. And yes, we hate sin, but it's because we love that person who is made in the image of God and who is our brother and sister in Christ. And we want so badly for them to glorify Christ and enjoy Him and live in the freedom of submission to Christ as King. I want them to experience that. And so patience means... Not getting frustrated with them, not having like a three strikes and you're out attitude, right? Already just like I already told you this once. No. It also means not talking down to them, as if we're better and we would never struggle the way they're struggling. Like I, I, I can't believe you're acting like this. Not. Like, I get it. means coming alongside of them as a fellow sinner and coming with some urgency because we don't want them to go the wrong way. We certainly don't want them going over the cliff. So we come with some urgency warning them, but we're, we're willing to do that with the same patience that God has shown to me. I think about the way Jesus did this. Think about the, the patience that Jesus showed with his disciples. There's this one story in Mark chapter 9 where they're they're walking along the road and they're going to Capernaum. It says that once they got to Capernaum, they got into the house and Jesus turned to his disciples and said, Hey guys, what were you discussing along the road? And it got silent. Nobody said anything. And the text tells us that the reason that nobody said anything is because while they were on the road, they'd been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. I think Jesus asked them that because he knew. He, he wasn't letting it slide. He knew that this, this sinful pride is not okay. This was damaging. This was going to tear them apart, apart. But he showed so much patience. He didn't just rip into them and let them have it and put them in their place. Like, honestly, I think that, that, that silence was probably condemning enough for them. But he simply said this. If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. You see him, Sean? Like, this is patiently admonishing and instructing. Like, guys, don't go that way. Here's the way I want you to walk. I want you to be a servant. And they still didn't get it. So eventually he took a basin and a towel and he got down on his hands and knees and washed their feet and showed them. And they still didn't get it. So he went to the cross in an ultimate demonstration of humility and sacrificial love as a servant. But are you just thankful for the way, the time that Jesus takes to patiently show his disciples how to follow? I want to patiently admonish the idol. But then look at verse 14. What does it say next? We admonish the idol and we encourage the faint-hearted. That's our second discipling scenario where we get to demonstrate patience. It's this. Patiently encourage the faint-hearted. Patiently encouraged the faint-hearted. There were some that were faint-hearted because they were grieving the loss of beloved brothers and sisters. In fact, back in chapter 4, verse 13, it kind of indicates that some of them were just struggling how to process when people that they loved died. It hurts. They're, they're, They're hurting and they're discouraged and they feel it in their soul. Sometimes believers in Christ can get really down. And when we see a brother or a sister who's in that place, they just—they're just, they're faint-hearted, they're discouraged, they're just—they're just worn down and weighed down by the weights and the cares of the world. We're supposed to do something. What are we supposed to do? Look at it. Look at what it says. What are we supposed to do with someone who is faint-hearted? We're to encourage them. Notice, that's different than how we're supposed to respond to someone who's idle, who's not doing what they know they should be doing. When somebody's idle, we're supposed to admonish them. We're supposed to warn them. But when someone is faint-hearted, we're supposed to do something a little bit different. We're supposed to come and encourage them. Got to be careful that we're not using the same tool in every scenario. You ever heard that phrase that, that to a hammer, everything's a nail? And some of us get really fired up and excited about getting after, helping somebody and admonishing them. And and, and, and God has gifted us some, some of us with that exhortation and, and, and we're courageous in our willing to willingness to kind of step in and, and speak into their life and, and speak the truth and hopefully, hopefully doing that because we love and we're doing it with patience. But when someone is hurting, when, when, when someone's discouraged. It's not time to bring the hammer down of ammunition and, and admonition and, and, and warn them in that moment. They probably don't need that. He says we're supposed to encourage them. That word means to, to comfort or to, to console. Like you would console somebody at a funer- funeral when they're grieving the loss of a loved one. You'd come alongside them because you care about how they're feeling. When you see a brother or a sister who's just, they're feeling the pain and the weight of the brokenness in this world, that's an opportunity for you to step in, to come alongside them with comfort and hope. And they may just need to feel your presence in that moment. Know that they're not alone. Know that they are loved. But they also need you to encourage them to look to Jesus to see that there really is hope. And as we looked at a couple weeks ago, yes, they're still groaning. But even in the midst of that, we can have joy. We can rejoice no matter what. And sometimes we just need to be encouraged in that. I love the way Jesus did that. I think about the way that Jesus encouraged Martha. There's a story in John chapter 11 where, where Jesus showed up After Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus, had died. And Martha was so, uh, she was downtrodden. She's so hurting in this moment. She's like, Lord, if, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And he didn't rebuke her. He didn't get in her face. He didn't try to correct her. What he did was he gave her some words of encouragement so that she would look to him as her hope. He said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe? And then when he saw Mary and the others who were weeping, it's kind of a crazy moment to me. Because Jesus knew what he was about to do. He could have been like, guys, check it out. I'm about to fix all of this. He was about to raise Lazarus from the dead back to life. But in that moment, he was moved deeply as he saw his friends in pain. And they're hurting and they're seeing like, that this is, this is the brokenness of the world. This is what happens in a sin-cursed world. And Jesus looked at that and he wept too. He is so patient with us when we're hurting and we're faint-hearted. Like our Savior knows what we're going through and he cares. And Sometimes there's a time for grieving, but, but not as those who have no hope. if you know a brother or a sister who's who's just feeling the weight of the world right now now's the time to reach out text them call them we want to come alongside of them to encourage them and not bringing the hammer right and not just coming and saying like i'll ah, get over it no i might need to step into their pain with them and be patient as we just keep encouraging them to Look to Jesus and see the hope that we have in Christ. Let me give you the third discipling scenario where we get to demonstrate some patience. It's this, note this, patiently help the weak patiently help the weak. He says that we're to help these these, these weak people. Who are the, the weak people? He's not just talking to physically weak. He's actually, I think, referring to spiritually weak, the people that lack moral strength. Like they're just struggling to overcome temptation. There's desire. They're trying, but they're really struggling with it. When you see a brother or sister who they want to please Christ, like they're striving to obey, but man, they're struggling. They just keep, like, falling down. They're trying to get back up. When you see somebody like that, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do for the week? What does it say? We help them. Again, not hammer time. Now is the time to help to come alongside of them and hold them up. Let them know that they're not alone and pray with them and hold them accountable and keep pointing them to the gospel and encouraging them to keep going and help them get back up again and again. This is why helping, being willing to help, takes patience. And we'd like it to work that like, when we see something in somebody's life and they see them struggling, we could just like text them a Bible verse and just poof, it all goes away and everything's fixed. And that's why it takes patience. It's because people aren't going to grow and aren't going to change as fast as you'd like them to. I know I don't. Man, there's so many times where I'm I'm struggling or I'm falling short, struggling with sin. And and man, it can be a long series of battles. And Jesus has been so patient with me. The same way Jesus showed patience with Peter. There's a lot of us that can relate to Peter, right? And that guy's constantly failing. And there's this moment in John chapter 21 where Jesus is having breakfast with Peter on the beach after he had failed miserably. I mean, he had he had denied that he even knew Jesus. And not just once, not like it was just like a little mistake, like he, he just kind of messed up. No, no, he straight up denied and lied that he even knew him three times. And so three times on that beach, Jesus says, Simon, do you love me? Feed my sheep. What he was saying to him in that moment is this. I'm not done with you. He didn't just give up on him. In fact, he even sent him help. He sent him the helper, the Holy Spirit, who filled him and then he used him powerfully to advance the gospel. And we see the power of Christ made perfect in our weakness. Man, sometimes we just need help. And if Jesus didn't give up on Peter, then we shouldn't give up on each other when we need help too. That that We're willing to patiently help each other grow as disciples, even when it's hard, even if it takes longer than we were hoping. Because we're not always going to get it right. We're going to mess up. We're going to struggle. We're going to hurt each other. We're probably going to tick each other off and annoy one another at times. But we are fellow sinners who are saved by the grace of God. And because of that, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have a really patient father and the example of a patient savior. As we're walking by his spirit, this is the fruit that he's going to produce in us. That he's going to make us like himself. That we are going to be patient too. God, I pray that you would do this in us. Would you make us more like your son? We're so thankful for the the, the patience that you've demonstrated to us. When we struggle, we're trying and we don't get it right. And we're slow to follow you. Slow to obey. And so I'm so thankful that you're slow to anger. That you don't just get ticked off. You don't write us off. But you love us and you stay faithful to us. and you're kind to us and merciful and gracious and you help us. Lord, would you produce that in the body of Christ, in in our church family. Make us more like Jesus. So that we make disciples. And as we deal with that in reality, dealing with people, we'd be patient with one another. We give you praise for who you are and the way that you treat us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.